Simply Jesus, a new vision of who he was, what he did, and why he matters. N.T. Wright, a New Testament scholar who has written dozens of books, this book, Simply Jesus, is one of three out of Simply Christian, Simply Jesus, and Simply Good News that is a series of more popular consumption-oriented books, and this is the study that we're beginning on Wednesday nights. Another good day here on Lighthouse Podcast. Brought to you by the Greenville Church of Christ. My name is Ty Nickel. I'm the preaching minister. And we decided to start a series in the book, Simply Jesus, for Wednesday night classes that will lead us through to May or possibly June, depending on how we adjust the schedule. Last night, we decided to look at part one, chapter one, a very odd sort of king. And the questions that we posed for discussion last night were only three questions. And the first was, what is the challenging question about Jesus, which Western culture seems to continually avoid. The second question was, how have churches made Jesus smaller than the biblical portrait of Jesus? And number three, why do the Gospels provide a proper place to begin a discovery of Jesus? So what we've done here is in chapter one, we've taken one question per segment of the very first chapter, which is interesting as N.T. Wright begins to uh, develop his tone for the book. We wanted to know as a class what we were going to discuss in regard to the main question of the book, which is that challenging question about Jesus, which Western culture seems to avoid throughout many generations. So what question is that about Jesus that seems to be avoided, but yet is probably the most simple question of all? And it may seem redundant to talk about this question, But here we are again. The question is, basically, is Jesus who he claimed to be? And so every generation will wrestle with that question because every generation will have to come to a knowledge of who Jesus is, one way or the other. And In our culture, the Western culture that we have grown up in, or perhaps you're not living in a Western culture, uh, the Western culture that 
most of us seem to have grown up in uh, deals with peripheral questions surrounding uh, the nature of Jesus' ministry, uh, the teaching that he gave, uh, and so forth. So what we find N.T. Wright talking about in his presentation of chapter 1, uh, we, we have this idea of the different types of questions that are being surround or that are surrounding uh, Jesus and his very mission, uh, his teaching, and what he was all about, what he said, and what he did. As the title suggests, N.T. Wright will say this is a new vision of who he was, what he did, and why Jesus matters. Uh, it's a new vision for us, but perhaps not a new vision, obviously, for uh, the uh, New Testament believers, the believers that would have originally read most of this or rehearsed it. Uh, so we have here in N.T. Wright's first chapter, a very odd sort of king. We hear him talking about this idea of uh, the question of who Jesus actually was. What he did, what he said, and what he meant, it is by implication the question that any grown-up Christian faith must address is our sense of Jesus as a presence, uh, disturbing but also healing, confronting but also comforting, simply a figment of our imagination. Uh, was Freud right to see it as just a projection of our inner desires? Was Marx right to say that it was just a way of keeping the hungry masses quiet? Was Nietzsche right to say that Jesus taught a wimpish religion that has sapped the energy of humankind ever since? And, since those three gentlemen are now a venerable part of the cultural landscape in their own right, are today's shrill atheists right to say that God himself is a delusion, that Christianity is based on a multiple mistake, that it's all out of date, bad for your health, massively disproved, socially disastrous, and ridiculously incoherent. Now those are some mighty big questions that culture has thrown at them, especially from uh, recent history. So what we're trying to get down to is the very simple question, but yet maybe very complex answer of who Jesus actually is. Uh, what the Gospels claim uh, that about Jesus is a very important observation that we're going to have to make. So I want to repeat for you those three questions again that we had in our class discussion last evening. Today, being July or excuse me, January twenty eighth, it is by no means July twenty eighth with snow on the ground this morning. The questions were number one: What is the challenging question about Jesus which Western culture seems to avoid? 
the challenging question that they seem to avoid is basically asking who Jesus actually was and is. Now that seems painfully obvious uh, once we hear that, but we tend to, in Western culture, talk about everything else surrounding Jesus, and that usually comes from the uh, menu of options that we have that are catered maybe for our own desires, our own religious desires, or our own personal preferences of private spirituality. Whatever it might be, we tend to ask questions that do not concern the New Testament author's central claim or central concept, which is Jesus is who he said he was. Now, that changes everything for us. So again, the question that Western culture seems to avoid is basically asking who Jesus is, who he was, and why it matters. So number two, I want to segue into that, and maybe we'll bounce back and forth between the three questions And then I'll have one important question for the end of our podcast today. So, number two, how have churches made Jesus smaller than the biblical portrait? Uh, One reference was brought up last night that was a uh, a very uh, astute observation, I believe, and it was on our... Uh, second paragraph under the Challenge to the Churches page. And there are a few sentences near the end of that second paragraph that says this, It is we, the churches, who have been the real reductionists. We have reduced the kingdom of God to private piety, the victory of the cross to comfort for the conscience, and Easter itself to a happy escapist ending after a sad, dark tale. So we discussed uh, a a little bit about those two sentences in that second paragraph on the page, The Challenge to the Churches. That subheading, The Challenge to the Churches, begins to talk about that question, number two, how have the churches made Jesus smaller than the biblical portrait. Well, it is no question that churches have made Jesus smaller uh, than the biblical portrait of Jesus. They have made Jesus much smaller. They have cut him down to size, N.T. Wright will say. Plenty of books, he says, offer just that, a cut down to size Jesus. Jesus is a great moral teacher or religious leader, and a great man, but nothing more. Christians now routinely recognize this reductionism and resist it, but I have increasingly come to believe that we should be worried for quite the opposite reason. Jesus, the Jesus we might discover if we really looked, is larger, more disturbing, more urgent than we, than the church, had ever imagined. So, He says, 
we have successfully managed to hide behind other questions, admittedly important ones, but in order to avoid the huge world-shaking challenge of Jesus' central claim and achievement. So what we have again in question number two, how have churches made Jesus smaller than the biblical uh, portrait or the biblical Jesus? Uh, we have other questions that we want to ask that pertain maybe more to our uh, current situation rather than what might, might be incredibly larger uh, for the entire world. We localize a lot of our questions and concerns with Jesus, personalize them, and we forget maybe to just read what uh, Jesus is all about from the New Testament. So Jesus as a great moral teacher or religious leader is something that we all think about uh, one way or another. A great man also, but nothing more at times. Jesus' teaching is often used to highlight uh, moral emphasis in Western culture. So we have the idea, uh, someone which I was glad that someone brought it up last night, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is so popular and so highly regarded as great moral teaching, and that's exactly what it is, but there is more to it than that. The Sermon on the Mount is so highly regarded in culture as a moral uh, teaching or ethicism uh, or a, a guide to beginning ethics uh, that we have uh, incorrectly reduced Jesus to a great moral teacher. We have eclipsed the claim that the Sermon on the Mount even makes. Uh, the idea of someone talking about what Jesus talked about on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, blessed are you, the kingdom of heaven is yours if, blessed are the meek, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, blessed are the poor in spirit, and so forth. Only a king can make certain kinds of statements, especially on the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a verse which we should all be familiar with, it is the most one of the most common verses that we have used in the past. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the idea of the one who is speaking the Sermon on the Mount, and the nature of who he is and why it matters has been largely eclipsed by the teaching that came from that one on the mount. So we have Jesus becoming a great moral teacher or religious leader or even a great man among many philosophers because we begin to compare the ethics of Jesus' moral teaching with that of somebody else. And we reduce Jesus uh, uh, unintentionally at times because of how we compare him to others. 
And there is no comparison when it comes to uh, Jesus because Jesus is actually speaking the Sermon on the Mount as a new covenant idea. And no one can bring in a new covenant, uh, the New Testament will say, unless he be the king. We have this idea of Jesus in Hebrews being the one who is the one who is able to bring in the new covenant. And the new covenant will have a different sort of look than the old covenant, obviously, but there is no prophet uh, that they, they may be foreshadowing it, may be talking about it, but there is nothing until we hear Jesus that we know of at this time that compares to the kind of person able to even speak the things in the Sermon on the Mount, all dealing with Jesus' favorite topic, the kingdom of God. Matthew has the word kingdom, I think, 53 times in his gospel. I believe that is more than any other book in the Bible. And so when Jesus is portrayed in the Gospels, the central claim, and this would deal with question number three, why do the Gospels provide a proper place to begin a discovery of Jesus? Because he is being claimed by those Gospel writers to be the king, not just of Israel, but of the entire world. And not just of the entire world at that time, but of the entire world uh, in existence before him and after him. He will always have, as Matthew will state in his closing remarks, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 and following, And all authority has been given unto me, Jesus will say, in heaven and on earth. So what we have in the biblical portrait is a king who rules the entire creation and then this is at the same time as the Roman Empire dominated the known world. So history sees Jesus coming into the world and then his claim is that not only is he a great moral teacher or a religious leader even a great man doing great things for people, uh, showing compassion and mercy, we have to recognize where this all comes from and what that designates Jesus as. The very reason, the New Testament will say, that Jesus was raised was because he is king. Acts chapter 2, Peter will recognize this fact. Paul will recognize this fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and other places, of course, Jesus is king. He is what is called Christ, which is the Greek word for king, and what we have in the New Testament is a claim by the New Testament that Jesus is the new emperor of the entire world, but not a temporary one. He is the eternal emperor. And so a new vision, as N.T. Wright says, a new vision of who Jesus was, what Jesus did, and why he matters is essential for us to begin our class series 
in this book on because Jesus is so often forgot to be the king. And the implications of him being king are are myriad. They are so many. And we derive our understanding of human nature and uh, just us being God's creation, and especially his new creation in Jesus, if we pay attention to the New Testament and its fulfilling statements and claims about the Old Testament promises. So the biblical portrait of Jesus needs to be larger uh, than the portrait of Jesus that the churches often reduce Jesus to be. They often reduce him to be yet uh, someone who is just a good guy, Uh, someone who is a pacifist, perhaps who is uh, harmless as a dove, and all he wants is just everybody to have the right motivations, which is true, but he is actually ruler over heaven and earth, over death and life itself, and we're going to get deeper into these topics. So those three questions, again, were what is the challenging question, number one, about Jesus that Western culture seems to avoid? And we answered that. Jesus is, who is Jesus? Who was he and who is he still? Well, he is king, and we need to get into understanding what that means. Number two, how have churches made Jesus smaller? Well, they've made him smaller because we have compared him to other men in history or other people in history. Uh, We have used Jesus' maybe moral teaching to compare Jesus with them, or maybe his religious teachings to compare to other religions. And so in doing that, we have reduced Jesus' message as king. He is still sovereign over all of these nations of the world. And number three, why do the gospel provide a proper place to begin a discovery of Jesus? Because therein lies the central claim for Jesus being this king creator uh, over all of mankind. So I want to leave you with one question before next segment. Uh, And I want you to write down your answers to the question, why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? There are going to be many who answer that in different ways that might surprise us. Uh, We might think that everybody will have the same answer that we have. But why did he have to die? Or why did he die? Why was he killed? Why did he give himself over to be killed? That's the question that we're going to leave you with today. So you've been listening to Lighthouse Podcast. This is January 28th, 2021. And if you have any questions, as always, please email them to gcoc.news at gmail.com. gcoc.news at gmail.com. It's been a pleasure to be with you this morning. I'm glad that we have had a chance to start this series on N.T. Wright's book, Simply Jesus. 
Thank you.